Hello and welcome to D&D Learning the Game. I'm your host, Jason DM, and today we are going to be covering the essential items that you should pay attention to in your list that you'll have when you first start playing Dungeons & Dragons. It's very easy to overlook the random miscellaneous items that you'll either come across or that you'll happen to be starting the game with. So let's make a point of talking about it today to make sure that you are aware of the items that you will have at your disposal when you play the game for the first time. So today I'm going to be using the player's handbook. So if you want to follow along, I just have to find the correct page. So the correct page when you first start is adventuring gear. So you want to probably look at Pages 143 to 148 to look at things like adventuring gear, what you'll be starting with. Um, it does cover things like uh, weapons, wealth, heavy armour on those pages. But we're going to jump straight to page 150. And on page 150, you'll see a load of different types of items. But today we're going to talk about the, the most important ones that you should probably make a note of that you either have to get or are, are essentials for any real adventure before you go out on them. The first one that you want to take a note of is the potion of healing. It jumps out the page at you and... For anyone that's played any sort of Dungeons and Dragons or any adventuring game before, having a healing potion in a bit of a hard situation can be probably uh, the most important thing that you can pull out to save yourselves. So the explanation of that, it reads, is a character who drinks the magical red fluid in this vial regains 2d4 plus two hit points drinking or administering a potion takes a action so you will have to be tactical about it and it will still re in require a dice roll but if you are say a wizard or you are someone who has very low hit points at the start of the game having one or two of them that you've bought at the um village or town or city that you started off in quickly jumping into whoever deals in potions or finding a herbalist or something someone that can create a few potions for you and getting a hold of them they are 50 gold pieces so it would be worth looking into if you can trade anything for them or possibly sending in the rogue to go and steal them um, which will always be a fun little mini adventure to get a hold of them. Um, the next bit that you'll need, or something that I would recommend taking along with you, is oil, a flask of oil. The reason for that is because it's highly flammable. And uh, it ex explains it as, oil usually comes in a clay flask that holds one pint. As an action, you can splash the oil in this flask onto a creature within five feet of you, or throw it up to 20 feet, shattering it 
on impact make a ranged attack against the target creature or object, treating the oil as an improvised weapon. On a hit, the target is covered in oil if the target takes any fire damage before the oil dries after one minute. The target takes an additional five fire damage from the burning oil. You can also pour a flask of oil on the ground to cover a five foot square area provided the surface is level. If lit, the oil burns for two rounds and deals five fire damage to any creature that enters the area or ends its turn in the area. A creature can take this damage only once per turn. So you're seeing there that the book's already recommending you, and this is why you should probably have a player's handbook on you, is so that you get inspiration from the explanations of it. So it's it's basically saying there that you can use this as a trap as well as something to, con- to do continuous damage to a character that you're attacking that you you know that you never even maybe think oh wait I could be doing fire damage to this person right now you the fact that you have that flask there and if someone's about to do their breath weapon say if you've got dragonborn if they're about to do the breath weapon on someone it might give advantage to the fact that they get set on fire the dm would determine that but it's worth figuring that out and and talking to the you know letting the dm play the game that way if they want to go that way but you're presenting the options for for there to be more damage done in particular if you're in any situations where you're going to be fighting someone who is overpowered for your party or who may be specifically vulnerable to uh fire damage they may also if they go on to an oily a level ground it may become slippery and that could be something that you could be presenting to the dm does this does the the ground suddenly become a do they take disadvantage to any of their attacks do you get advantage as long as you stay off the oil and that you're hitting them etc etc so another one that always uh, anytime i play with people they seem to always realize how important it, it is when the, 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 the situation presents itself and it's rope, get yourself plenty of rope. You are more than likely going to be tying people up. You are more than likely going to be climbing things. Uh, what's the word when you're going down the side of a building? Abseiling down the side of a building. So ropes, rope comes in in loads of different ways important it can be used in fishing it can be used when you're trying to pull something up from a ledge etc etc when your creativity is the limit with a rope so make sure that you've always got it in your backpack and that you've picked up some another one that's always worth having a hunting trap if you don't have a character that's within the group who is a ranger or is particularly good at survival, you should get yourself a hunting trap. So I'll just read the explanation for that. So when you use your action to set it, this trap forms a sawtooth steel ring that snaps shut when a creature steps onto a pressure plate in the centre. The trap is affixed by a heavy chain to a immobile object. 
such as a tree or a spike driven into the ground. A creature that steps onto the plate must succeed a DC 13 dexterity saving throw or take 1d4 piercing damage and stop moving thereafter until the creature breaks free of the trap. Its movement is limited by the length of the chain, typically three feet long. A creature can use uh, its action to make a DC 13 strength check, freeing itself or another creature within its reach on a success. Each failed check deals one piercing damage to the trapped creature. So, now you might be sitting saying, yeah, right, okay, if we have someone who isn't a natural hunter, you can use that trap to catch anything in the wild and probably uh, use it for survival if you need daily rations. So that's where naturally a hunter would go out and find a rabbit, for instance, and, and catch it, and then it gives you whatever amount of rations for the next couple of days. But if you're running out of rations and you have been travelling in the, the, the wild for quite a quite a while, it can start to become a, a realisation, oh wait, we need to do something here to try and make sure that we've got food to survive the next couple of days. So it can be used in that fashion where you're using it to hunt, but you can also use it to create a perimeter around your camp for the night. You can set it up where pretty much anything that's coming from whatever half of the campsite, there's a good chance that it's going to walk into that. And you should probably make a note of it with the DM that I'm setting this trap up for tonight if anyone tries to attack us. And it just gives you that advantage just in case any bandits or any random wandering monsters decide to come trudging through your camp. And it means that you've you've protected yourself. You've, you've got that, that trap set up and ready to go. If I could pick another one, and the last one, it would be to make sure that you've got your pittance. So you might not necessarily think, oh, that's pro that important, but they are. They're so pittance is a little is a metal spike that you'll get. They are so handy. For anything like jamming a door, it can be climbing walls. You could set them up on a wire so that they jangle whenever someone hits the wire. Uh, you can use them to scrape into rock to inscribe. Let's say if you're in the middle of a dungeon and you don't have the map and you don't know where you are and you need to start working out where you are, you can start scraping the floor with these things, chiseling them into the floor so that you remember where you're going. Again, you can also use them in conjunction with any other item that you happen to have, like rope, for instance, to climb an object to make it that that little bit easier for you. You can use them, you can pack them into a bomb and <laughs> create a pitting bomb where they would explode and just shoot everywhere. Your, your imagination is your limit when it comes to them, but they are very handy. And again, like I said, jamming a door. If you've got monsters running towards you and you're in a dungeon and you do, like, I can't describe the amount of times that I've came across overpowered monsters in a dungeon that we just were not equipped to handle. And then using a door to jam it, to just create distance, give us time, get back out the dungeon. Yeah, pittons are handy and they're always worth having. There is definitely more on this page 
of one five zero. But it's the whole point of today is just to kind of give you a bit of creativity with the items that you see there in the adventuring gear page, but also to 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 make you read it. Go read these pages. People overlook this and they don't even bother reading anything about like what comes in the equipment packs, um, or they'll quickly just read write down, you know, oh I get a burglar's pack, so I get five candles, five days of rations, blah 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 blah. But they don't even bother looking at the whole page of adventuring gear that you get. And the game I said the game, the book actually gives you ad- like kind of like hints of how to use these things and even gives creative ways of incorporating them into the game just by telling you what the rules are for that item so it's always worth reading over it and and having to think to yourself should i go to the we're in a town we're in a city you usually begin any adventure in a town or city so these things will be common they're common items to come across most of the time Probably the the rarest things to come across is a vial of poison or uh, um, a healing potion would probably be the hardest. But even then, they're they're probably really common to come across. Anyway, that is that for today's podcast. Um, If you would like to follow... You can go on to my Twitter, it's at JasonDM14, and you can also find me now on YouTube, it's just JasonDM. And if uh, I'll put links down in the descriptions if you want to follow along, subscribe, and if there's anything that you would like me to talk about in the future, please leave comments, or you can comment me on, you can private message me actually on Twitter and let me know if there's anything that you're struggling with or that you're finding difficult about learning the game or getting used to with Dungeons and Dragons. I think the next series will be to cover the different races that are within Dungeons and Dragons and just read over those pages to make sure that there's a clear understanding of what to expect from that race if you pick that race. But until then, I might just cover smaller parts of the book and just give quick overviews of each of them just going forward from here so other than that um thank you very much for listening along and i hope you're having a great day cheers bye bye